0: Well, it is good to be back. Oh, it is so gracious. I was, those of you who don't know, I was the interim here for about four years. Um, And you know, I mean, people clap, so maybe they thought I did a good job. Let me show you. If you didn't know how great a job I did, let me show you how great a job I did. Let me just show you for just a second. When I started, this is what a good Sunday looked like. That's what a good Sunday looked like. On my last Sunday, this is what it looked like. So I just want you to know, <laughs> as an interim, I've got some skills. I've emptied this place. <laughs> it's like the worst <laughs> interim ever. Uh, but you know, none of us counted on shutdown, you know, that kind of when it came. And we made news when we called uh, Pastor Philip, voted uh, via Zoom or whatever, survey, I forget what we did. But aren't you glad Pastor Phillip's here? Let's thank the Lord for Pastor Phillip. And I'm so glad that we are back in person as well, and what a great passage to talk about being back in person. We've already had some of the worship team read Psalm 84, so I won't reread Psalm 84. But Psalm 84, here we are in the songs of life. Psalm 84 is actually a psalm that celebrates um, the the, the beauty of coming into the Lord's temple to worship. And the singing of this psalm would be accompanied with a great awareness, with deep conviction, right, uh, that the coming in to give praise and glory, nothing the world offers, is better than coming into the temple of the Lord to give Him praise. And maybe in 2020, and I think we're still in 2020, it's been like 19 months of 2020, and I'm about done with it, But maybe in 2020, we were reminded of the joy that we have when we gather together in this gathered assembly. Today I'm going to talk about how contrasting, trusting, and submitting can change your perspective and reshape your life. And oh my, do we have some contrast, some trusting, and submitting in 2020 and 2021. So we've already looked through the passage. Let me just mention a couple of things from Psalm 84 that'll give us a little bit of an introduction to it, and then we'll walk through the Psalm uh, just a bit. The, the uh, Psalm 84, if you have the same Bible I have, it has a little notation at the beginning, and it tells you to the choir master, right? And then it says, a Psalm of the sons of Korah, which you may say, who are the sons of Korah. And, and we don't have a lot of detail on them. It sounds like a bohemian rock band or maybe a, maybe something from Star Trek with the Klingons. But there's who are the sons of Korah? Well, there are actually some worship leaders, just as we've been led into worship by our worship team today. They too had worship leaders then. And so it starts with, and I'll just touch on a few parts of the verses, how lovely is your dwelling place. And the reason I wanted to say and start with that verse is to remind you that as beautiful as the Moody Church is, the largest non-columned amphitheater in the city of Chicago, historic and beautiful, actually makes architectural tours and is part. has a TripAdvisor rating. People will come to see what's going on. I might add, we have a good TripAdvisor rating. So, but Moody Church is not where God dwells to the exception of other places. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of Hosts. Under the New Covenant, the dwelling place is actually here in my heart and in your heart, but we gather together in this place, and it's a special place, place. it's a sacred space. And in here it says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. walk through those things together. Where we're going to spend most of our time, though, is the idea in God's goodness that better is one day in His courts than thousands elsewhere. It says that in verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Some of you may know that when I left, we, like I said, we were, we were shut down. And we were kind of just meeting here on the front, live streaming from here. And they gave me a gift when I left, and it's a good gift to mention it's Psalm 84 as well. See they took some of the hundred-year-old doors of this church when it was originally built and made a nice little plaque of it. So every day in my office, it's right there in my office, I get to be reminded that it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the house of wickedness. So there's three things I want us to see today. We'll walk through them one at a time. And as we do, I'll come back to the text, but let's begin with number one. It's a passion for God and his temple. We need to set some of the context of what's going on here, but we're leading to contrasting, trusting, and submitting can change your perspective and reshape your life. If you're joining us online, I want you to hear and to know that I'm gonna be talking about the importance of gathering, and I know that's a complex reality right now in 2021, and yet I want us to also hear the beauty of it, and if we can't yet come to feel the longing for it. One of my concerns in 2020 and 21 is a lot of people have gotten used to not gathering together with God's people. And let me just say to you that, again, when you're ready in your time and your space, nobody gets left behind here at Moody Church, but there's, there's room, there's place to spread out and to be safe and more because I think we need one another. But this is not the temple. This is a church, and this is the meeting place of a church. But though we're not in the temple in the same way that the people of God were, the people of Israel at that time, we can still learn. Let's take a look at some of the things inside point number one. One is there was a passion to worship God. What a beautiful thing for us to have in 2021, right? Centuries, millennia later, it says this in verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place. Well, the Bible says, when two or three, or Jesus says, when two or three are gathered, He is here. So this too is the Lord's dwelling place in some special way because we've gathered together to sing His praise, to study His word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Would you say those four words out loud with me, O Lord of hosts? Let's do it. Ready? O Lord of hosts. One more time. O Lord of hosts. It's actually a technical in in Hebrew. It's Yahweh Saboeth. And it's found in verses 1, 3, 8, and 12. And there's all kinds of terms. This is a very God filled psalm, right? I love it, right? In verse 1, 3, and 12, it's the Lord of hosts. In verse 2, it's the Lord. In verse 2, again, it's the living God. In verse 3, it's my king and my God. In verse 8, it's Lord God of hosts. And in verse 11, it's Lord God. For the psalmist, the psalmists, there's nothing more lovely than the dwelling place of God. Now, the temple, right? The temple in the Old Testament, right? Up until the New Testament, the temple is this special place of the worship of God. In the Old Testament, the temple represents God's presence, right? And the psalmist long God's presence in a special way in the temple. The psalmist longs for, longs for, has an appetite for, is is hungry for the very presence of God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis. He says, I have rather, though the expression may seem harsh to some, called this the appetite for God rather than the love for God. The love of God too easily suggests the word spiritual and all those negative or restrictive senses with which it is unhappily acquired. The appetite for God, he says, on the other hand, has all the cheerful spontaneity of a natural, even a physical desire. We can think of songs like, As the Deer, based on the scriptures, as the deer pants for the water. Well, let's look at verse two. My soul longs, yes, faints. That's how much I desire to be in the presence of God. That's why we make the decision to gather together. That's why even though the Chicago mask mandate is in place, we are still here. You could say, well, it could be easier to sit at home. And, but here's the thing, right? If kids need to be in person school, God's people need to be in person together giving praise to Him. And we can do that. Now, I I recognize there's complexities of that, and and I've I've worked over 18 months now working through some of those complexities. Some of you follow what we've done at coronavirusinthechurch.com, but I want you to know we can do this carefully, safely, but we need one another. It says, my heart and my flesh sing for joy for the living God. So the psalmist's yearning for God moves beyond the spiritual realm to impact literally physical life. His soul faints. His flesh. Sings. All of him, heart, soul, and mind, needs to be together. And Christianity is not something that we can or try to do alone. We need one another. We need Moody Church. Sing for joy is cry out in the New King James Version. The verb means a loud cry. Living God is contrasted with false gods who are no gods. Now, mind you, if you've been to Jerusalem, I'll make a few references to that. I know Pastor Lutzer over the years would take groups to Israel, not something we're all planning on right now. Uh, But perhaps in the future, Pastor Philip will do that. But you've been, you know where the temple was, it's no longer there, the Temple Mount remains. But the temple, of course, would be larger, but large, larger than we are, but large. And so they would come into the temple, you have to kind of get into the mental image of what's going on here. They're sort of going on this pilgrimage because people would travel from hours or days away and they'd go on this pilgrimage. And, and, and so they go in and there's a passion for God in this temple and it starts with a passion to worship God. But it's kind of fascinating because if you're reading through, and you get, I mean, it's written down, so it doesn't happen this way, but it sort of finds, it sort of sounds this way, right? So we got verse one, how lovely is your dwelling place? Verse two, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. And then verse three, you get the perspective of the birds. Now this is a strange thing. What's going on here? It's kind of like he's writing and says, my flesh and heart and flesh sing for joy. And he gets distracted. It's like squirrel. In this case, it's sparrow. But probably what happens is, that they're literally going into the temple, and listen to what it says. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord, God of hosts, my King and my God, you might not be surprised to know that we have had birds inside this room. Some of you remember some of those times, because how do you get a bird outside of a room this big? Because, I mean, it, it can, and, and so, so it would be true in the temple. So you can see the sons of Korah coming into the temple and saying, well, wait a second, there's a bird close to the altar. Oh, Lord of hosts, my, my king and my God, what a blessing these birds have. The psalmist had familiarity with the temple, even the birds who nested here. Now, swallow and sparrow are just common things names for birds, probably just means general some kind of bird. Um, But when you have that familiarity, you might might notice birds that you didn't notice before. (laughs) These birds get to go to church. Those aren't really birds, just in case you're wondering. I mean, they're birds, but I want you to miss this. The psalmist says, what a blessing for bird one and bird two to be close to the altar of God. That's how big of a deal. That's how much of a blessing it is. They get to be near the altar. And then the contrast actually changes. It says even the sparrow finds a home. The swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars of Lord of hosts. But then listen to the words my King and my God. So yeah, even birds get to do this, but Mike, it's the the double possessive. It's Mike, my Lord and my God in the New Testament. Now it's my King and my God. And worshiping God, coming into the place of the temple, and millennia later coming into this place, draws our hearts near to God. And we too can say, my Lord and my God. Say it with me. My King and my God. One more time. My King and my God. So the psalmist sees the birds and that my, my King and my God emphasize the intimacy. Yeah, the birds are blessed, but it's my King and my God. That bird's going to distract you the whole time. Do I need to take the birds down or are you going to be distracted the whole time? You're okay with the birds? I mean, if they don't fly, I think we're okay with the birds. I'd like to thank Tim, I called Tim and I said, Tim, I need some birds. And he said, what? The pastor, Tim, he gets it done. Still under point number one, a passion for God in his temple, we looked at a passion to worship God. We looked at the perspective of the birds, and now we look at a praise to God in song. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. If sparrows and swallows are welcome in the house of God, the temple, how much more welcome are people made in his image to sing his praise? For those who walk with God and are thus in His presence, there's always cause, there's always a reason for singing. So the psalmist turns from the birds to the priests who had rooms at the temple. Again, we're getting into some detail. We've got to go deeper before we can get to the application. But there are a certain group of people who dwell in the house of the temple. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. It's actually not referring specifically to the pilgrims who are writing the psalm but to the priests who get to stay there singing their praise forever. Ever singing is the right way to praise God. Ever singing is the right way to praise God. Regardless of the circumstances, in face of suffering, in times of plenty, in times of great experiences, all seasons of life should evoke praise to God. Let me, let me, let me say, some of you don't sing in church. Now listen, I'm not coming at you but I am coming for you. Let me explain. You say, Ed, I'm a terrible singer. Listen, I'm not great either. Right? I, I, but here's the thing, ever singing is the right response. And I, I, I know, I see you. I, I would come often to the back and come in. I love to greet everybody and say hello. And then sometimes I see you in the back and I see you in the balcony. Particularly that section right over there. See, singing is a rightful response to who God is. And I want to say to you, maybe you say, well, you know, I don't want to sing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not a good singer. Well, that's okay, together. We give glory to God and make a joyful noise. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm too manly to sing. Well, no, I don't think you're too manly to sing. I think you're maybe a little too nervous to sing, but let's m- push through that. It's not about your gender, whether you're a man or a woman. It's whether we have a good voice or a bad voice, because it's not about you. It's about God, and He is worthy of our song. So I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to go to the back, and I'm going to be checking. Contrasting, trusting, and submitting can change your perspective and reshape your life. Let's get on to number two. I said there were three points, but you remember, I always have a long first point. And I always have a long second point and a long third point, but anyway. Are we, like, staying on time now that I'm gone? Is that a thing? I hope you brought a lunch, because we got stuff to cover. I've been here one time in a year. So, number one, we started with the passion for God and His temple. Doesn't end there. Let's go and look specifically at the second part of the text. You can have your Bible open to me. We're going to jump with me. We're going to jump down to verse 10, and we're going to look at the second thing. Excuse me, not verse 10. We're going to look at verse 5. But number two is the presence of God on the way. Remember, this is a psalm of pilgrimage. And we're going to get to the third point, contrasting, trusting, and submitting. But here we are, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Those were on, they were on a journey, a pilgrimage to Zion, Deuteronomy 16, 16, if you want to go look more. They're blessed. However, and by extension, anyone who walks with God can consider themselves blessed because God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Our strength is found in walking with God, and we're pilgrims just passing through. So it gives some details here in verse six. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the early rain covers it with pools. The valley of Baca's location is actually not for certain known. It could just be a poetic symbol of affliction, All right? We can think about Psalm thirty, verse eleven: "You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me, clothed me with gladness." See, we need one another, we need to be in physical community, and regardless of what happens in the next few months and years, because we don't know, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I am a doctor, but my kids say I'm the kind of doctor who doesn't actually help anybody, (laughs) but we're going to need one another regardless, and community has become remarkably difficult in the last 18 months, and yet Jesus calls us to community. They experience that in the presence of God together. This is the sons of Korah. This is the people on a pilgrimage, not just one person. Look at verse 7. They, they, plural, go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God. Each one appears before God in Zion. On, the, on most journeys, the traveler goes from strength to weakness. But those whose strength is in God goes from, go from strength to strength. The goal of the journey is Zion. Believers have a, a hope that going towards something. Immediately after church, we'll, Don and I look forward to having a reception saying goodbye, though a little late. And then if you look out on Clark Street, you'll see my 10-foot U-Haul because I am driving my oldest daughter who's now um, 23. She was 11 when I started the interim at Moody Church. (laughs) You know, it's funny, I was actually the interim pastor here longer than three of your pastors were the actual pastor of Moody Church historically. But we're going to start a journey. We're going to drive to Detroit, go over the Ambassador Bridge, and eventually going to end in Toronto where she begins her master's degree in vocal performance. She's sung here a few times, and you remember because she was just that awesome. But I am not excited about the next 10 hours after services today. Driving a U-Haul from, you know, Canada's a whole separate country. They actually want me to have a passport. But I'm going to be tired by the time that journey's done. But something's different here. Here, there's a strength that grows, a strength that they know. It says in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion because they find strength in the destination of the journey. I just know when I get to the destination, I got to unload a truck. They know they get to get to the destination and to be in the presence of God and one another. And let me just say that feels a lot like our lives, doesn't it? Right now, maybe every day, Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2 speaks to that future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is the thing I don't want you to miss, right? As we have been weary on this journey, we have way stations along the way, the gathered expression of church, our small groups, whatever it may be. But then we have an ultimate destination, that new heavens and that new earth. Verse 8 is interesting in the Psalm. It says, O Lord of… O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah." Because it appears something has happened, and maybe something has happened bad. Because he's tying the prayer. The psalmists here are saying, O God of Jacob, right? Um, One one commentator puts it this way, that the same God who blessed and was faithful to Jacob will also be faithful to his people today. This is worthy of meditation, thus the insertion of the Psalms second. La, unquote. So, so, they're saying, God, you've been faithful in the past. And that's such a beautiful confidence that I had the experience of getting again in touch with when I stood here in this empty building, finishing up my service to you. On Easter, it was empty, and I thought 100 years ago, there was another pastor standing in this place in the midst of the Spanish flu. And decades, maybe centuries before that, people had made it through difficult time through difficult time. So we too need to know and rest in the faithfulness of God. He's not done. This wasn't a surprise to him. Yes, we need one another. We need that gathered time of worship, but we can pray, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob, and then we meditate that with Selah. Verse 9 says, behold, our shield, our God, look on the face of your anointed. Some reference, look on the face of your anointed, right? The King of Israel, but, but the psalmist maybe was thinking of David, maybe, maybe Solomon, but also points ultimately to the Messiah, the anointed one with whom we encounter and give praise, glory and honor to, contrasting, trusting, and submitting can change your perspective and reshape your life. So walking through the text, we come to the final point. Number one is a passion for God and His temple. Number two is the presence of God on the way. Remember this is a psalm of pilgrimage. And number three is a proclamation of trust in God. And here's where the theme I've been using throughout will come into place. I keep saying contrasting, trusting, and submitting can change your perspective and reshape your life. Let's look at contrasting, contrasting. Now it's not comparing in the negative sense of the word comparing. It's some making some intentional contrast, right? So, so a little contrasting, or it says this in verse 10, for a day in your courts, is better than a thousand elsewhere. Look at that beautiful contrast. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So so the psalmists here are contrasting, maybe talking about the comparative goodness of God in two ways. One is better as one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. And if you're already ahead of us, yes, we are going to sing that song at the end of the sermon. It's sort of like a rule. Second Opinions, chapter 4, verse 11, you can't preach on Psalm 84 and not sing better is one day. But it's interesting, the contrast, right? Better is one day. And we can contrast that, right? Might be the joy of just being with five minutes with Donna. What an incredible joy it is to be. Married last weekend we had our anniversary together, right? We were the joy of being married for for decades. We've been married a long time. It's true. Um and I compare that, you know, better is one day with Donna, but you can also contrast it and say it to a negative thing, right? Like better, it's worse. Worse than putting your hand on a stove for a second. That seems like a thousand years being with Donna for one day doesn't seem like nearly enough. So this contrast set at work here, right? So better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. And it's interesting, so it sort of sounds like and maybe reflects what Paul writes in the New Testament book of Philippians. He says this, he says, indeed I count everything as loss. So here's the contrast, right? Everything else that I could have, all I once held dear, built my life upon, it's just not worth it anymore. It's not worth knowing you, Jesus. Indeed, I count as loss because of the surpassing worth. There's the contrast, right? This isn't worth anything compared to this because of the surpassing surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, right? None of them matter. And I count them as rubbish contrasting that better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. Everything I have is rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. This is the perspective of the Christian who understands the gospel. This is the perspective of the follower of Christ who understands just how wonderful God and His goodness is. Spurgeon put it this way, God's worst is better than the devil's best. So contrasting is a good thing to do. I, and I tell people this all the time, people who are thinking about saying, this one moment I might step out of my marriage relationship, and I might engage in an illicit relationship. And I say, I understand, but I want you to know that that, that brief moment of pleasure is going to cost you a lifetime of pain. And if you would invest this the other side, or someone who's about to make a bad decision about a thousand different things, I says, contrast this, contrast this to the goodness of a God who loves you. It has a path for you. Contrasting, but it's also trusting, isn't it? Trusting. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, it says. Only place in the Bible God is referred to as a sun. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. So, if you can walk in this reality, You start with contrasting, you move to trusting. I can trust God because He is good. I can trust God because He is good. Actually, sun probably refers to blessing and shield to protection. Again, let me quote Spurgeon. He said, a sun for happy days and a shield for dangerous ones, a sun above, a shield around, a light to show the way, and a shield to ward off perils which shouldn't surprise us because God loves us. And we know this throughout the scriptures. Think of Luke chapter seven, verse 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give give good gifts to your children, again a contrast, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I don't want you to miss this because one of the great challenges of your life might be to trust God in the midst of good times, maybe you don't need him, or bad times, When you're not sure he's there, we shared a lot of good times, bad times, talked through some of those things together in our four years. And one of the things I love about Moody Church is it's like an oak, it's sure and steady because it's built not upon the whims of people, but on the Word of God and the faithfulness of God and the sharing of the gospel that comes and flows out of a relationship with God, and, and so we can trust Him, right? Because still people might ask, well, what now? What now with, with new mandates? And what does this mean for three months from now? Here's the thing I don't want you to miss, right? If you walk in a full confidence that God is at work, that God has a plan, that He's not done, I can promise you He's going to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we might ask or think through Moody Church, through you, to make a difference for the gospel, Contrasting, trusting, and submitting. Got to the last one, submitting. It's interesting because verse 12 says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. That trust is not some sort of intellectual assent. It's not some sort of, well, you know, okay, all right, so that's probably true. I sort of trust in that. No, there's a sense that the psalmists here are all in all committed, all trusting, not because of how awesome they are, but because of how awesome God is. You see, we have, we have an awesome church. You have an awesome church. And sometimes in an awesome church, we can focus on just how awesome it is. And that awesomeness can become the defining characteristic. You can come to our church, it's just that awesome. You could learn about stuff at our church because it's an awesome church. And I'm for all, it is an awesome church, but the bigger issue here is not that we have an awesome church, it's that our God is an awesome God. So the psalmist begins in verse 1 with this, Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And then the psalmist ends in verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Don't miss the beginning and the end, right? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, and it ends with, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Submitting your life to the God who loves you submitting your life to the God whose worth and value is above anything you could ever imagine. Contrasting, trusting, and submitting. That's how the Psalm ends. Let me just read again, contrasting Psalm 8410, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And in my office, a door, part of the door, I didn't like take an active door, it's an old historic door, sits there to remind me of, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in tents of wickedness. Trusting, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. You can trust him. And submitting, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Father, we thank you that in your grace and your goodness, you've redeemed us, called us my name, sent us on mission for your name's sake oh lord we love you lord i thank you for moody church I thank you for the privilege i had to open the word of god and i thank you for the privilege i had to be blessed by this awesome church the lord here you remind us that in an awesome temple you actually pointed people to an awesome god through the inspired and errant word of god here in psalm 84 We're reminded that contrasting, trusting, and submitting are the calls we have. Because better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. There's nothing we can compare to the goodness, the blessing, the privilege we have to worship you. Just while you're in the same spirit of prayer you're in right now, let's stand to our feet together. All across this sanctuary, let's stand at our feet together. Father, we come before you we sing our praise to you, because better is one day in your courts, one day in your house, than thousands elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, Lord. Even though it's difficult, even though we might be frustrated with restrictions or difficult challenges to get here, even on a day with the air show, Lord, better is one day to be here together. So we give you your due praise, we contrast just how wonderful you are. We, we believe and trust just how good you are. And we submit because you are who you say you are. So we give you praise and we give you glory this day as we sing. Let's sing together.